Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. We're diving into a new series today, thank you to the band, entitled uh, Close, The Ministry of Family. And if there's one thing I can guarantee for every person hearing me today, it is that you are part of some kind of family. Uh, And one thing that is very real for every single one of us is that we're all one day either going to have a bigger family than we have now, amen, whether you've already got children, we all want grandchildren. I'm going to be granddad, by the way. Don't have any time for any of this. You know, I'm going to be called Johnny or whatever. I'm going to be granddad. I'm looking forward to it. I embrace age. I'm cool with it. Um, you know, we're all, we're all in a family, we're all going to have a family, and family is indeed central to our lives, to our community, to our faith. God is in family, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Psalm 68 tells us that He puts the lonely into families. The heartbeat of God is for families. The way that our faith is designed by God to interact is in families. And so I want to talk in this series about family and about the nature or the intention that God has for us. But in kicking off this series, I think it's important for us to just talk about the different types of families that we can have. Because we're all coming from somewhere on the spectrum of like idyllic Pleasantville family, you know, raised with a house and a picket fence out the front. You know, mom and dad were always happy. There was a great three-course dinner all the way through to absolute crazy town, you know what I'm saying? And somewhere in the middle of it, we're all trying to work out what kind of family does God want me to have? What kind of family do I want to have? And that is a very important thing for all of us to get our heads around. So let's talk this morning about the five types of families. So the first type of family we're going to talk about this morning, and I guess we've got to start there, is what I call the dysfunctional family. Any honest people out there want to give me a little indication in Christchurch here in Wellington, I come from crazy town. My family was dysfunctional. Can I get a little? Yeah, great. All right. A few people like with their hand half up, you know, like maybe mum was nice, but dad was crazy. I'm not sure exactly what they were trying to indicate. But there are obviously just a huge amount of us that are coming to a series like this with a degree of apprehension. Even the notion of discussing family is contentious. Uh, you know, in our, in our Christian faith, I believe the two most controversial words in Christianity are the words prosper. You want to make people angry? Throw that word out in a sermon. Get a, get a crazy email. Prosper, 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 prosper. It's like hitting play, you know, on people sending emails, you know. And then the other most commonly contentious word in our Christian faith is father. The notion that God is a father conjures up for a lot of people a lot of emotion. And the reason why, you know, is because we come from some degree of dysfunction. Now, when we're born with dysfunction, we come into this world in a dysfunctional home, it can be for a a whole bunch of reasons. I mean, it can be because of abuse. I'm talking here about alcohol abuse, substance abuse, physical abuse, uh, abuse that's angry, manipulation, coercion, uh, and abuse is whenever you find something taken outside of its reasonable environment and then inflicted 
on somebody else. And there is a truckload of this that is happening in our communities every day, every week, uh, every month, and every year. We live in a world that is full of crazy town. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? And I guess the reason for this is clear. We live in a fallen world. There is sin in the world. I want every person to know that if you were born into dysfunction, it's not because of God's will. It's not God's will that anybody knows dysfunction. It's not God's will that anybody would be abused or suffer harm. We have a God who is so concerned with us being able to experience His will that He died on the cross for us, but we live in a world where dysfunction is all around. Now, the crazy, the awesome thing about the Bible is that when you read the Bible, the Bible has two really clear themes when it comes to family. The first theme is people who struggled to even become a family. Mothers, you know, praying for children, couples struggling to give birth to a child is a massive overwhelming theme of the stories in the Bible about family. And, and always, without exception, those kids that was believed for and prayed for when they finally did arrive served a phenomenal purpose for the cause of Christ. And I want you to know that sometimes the delay is just God getting things ready for this, this, this long-awaited and expected baby to change the world. The other theme, and it has equal significance in the Bible, is the theme of people that were born into dysfunctional families. I mean, when you start to look at biblical heroes, you find an overwhelming majority of them were born into dysfunctional homes. When we start to think about King David, he was the youngest of eight brothers, but all the other brothers had a different mom. In other words, David was like this illegitimate kind of thing that happened on the side. David was born into in a dysfunctional home. Solomon, you know, the reason why David, you know, eventually had a son called Solomon was because of an adulterous liaison with Bathsheba and out comes little Solomon. We've got Jephthah, whose mother was a prostitute. We've got, we've got uh, you know, all through the Bible, stories like this. We've got Timothy, who, no, who was one of the key leaders of the New Testament church, yet had no dad. He came from a solar home where he was raised by his mother and his grandmother. And, you know, Jesus, by the way, that, you know, they said that he was conceived before Joseph and Mary got married. Now, we obviously know that there was nothing dysfunctional about Jesus' conception, the ultimate functional conception conceived by the Holy Spirit, but still carried the societal stigma. And, and you don't have to look too far in the Bible. You don't have to look too far in our church community to find somebody that is, you know, apprehensive about this series or maybe overly intent about this series, like desperate for the series because you came into this world through some kind of dysfunction. Now, when we've got dysfunction in our family, there are two most common uh, you know, reactions that I found to dysfunction in families, and they both have inherent dangers. The two most common reactions to dysfunction in families are to be fearful or to try and compensate. We, 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 are, we come from a dysfunctional family, so we are fearful about the very notion of having our own family, or we are, we are gonna compensate for the dysfunction that we were raised in. Both of these are traps. They are parenting, it's a trap. Turn the ship around. When you've got, 
dysfunction in your family and you try to compensate for it through your fear or through, you know, try to, you know, fix it through fear or through compensation, they are traps. And the answer to both of these traps is Jesus. Let's talk about fear. Parenting and fear, having a family and fear, being married and fear is always gonna go hand in hand when you come from a dysfunctional environment. Why? Because you are petrified that what happened in your family when you grew up or what happened in your past, in your experiences prior to this moment right now, your fear, my fear, is that what happened is then gonna be replicated in the coming days in my life. So you got people that were raised in alcohol abuse and they're like, man, I'm just so worried that it's gonna happen. You were raised in an angry home and you're like, oh man, I'm just so fearful that I'm gonna end up hurting this, this marriage, this child by just crushing those I love with my own temper. Fear begins to consume us. Apprehension that in the days that are to come, something bad is gonna take place, worried that the wheels are gonna turn off in our lives, is a pretty real reaction to dysfunction in our lives and it has a high degree of empathy. But here's the thing that you and I have gotta remember. When we came to Jesus, something changed about our lives and something has absolutely been changed about what we should be expecting for the future that God has for us. In fact, when you're thinking about the curses or you know the, the, the dysfunction, you know, let's call it a curse, of our family background. Maybe your parents were, were divorced, their parents were divorced, your dad was an alcoholic, your granddad was an alcoholic, your great-granddad was an alcoholic. Maybe there was you know, sexual abuse in one generation, two generations, three generations. We can look at all of this and say, you know, this is hanging over my family until you start to realize the truth of what the Word of God is teaching. To understand the truth of the Word of God about your life, my life, we need no more uh, clarity than what Galatians gives us. Throw it up on the screen. The Bible says in Galatians, <laughs> get with me, team. Galatians chapter three, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung upon a pole or upon a tree is what it should say. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Poke your neighbor and say, that's you. Through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. We've got a contrast here between our lives without Jesus and with Him. Our family, our family, without Jesus and with Jesus. The Bible calls Abraham, if you could leave the verse up there, calls Abraham our father in the sight of God. So here we've got the Bible telling us that, man, you might come from all this kind of crazy, but the moment you found Jesus, man, that moment your family lineage just got altered. We have no place for fear in our lives you know, in fact, you want to, we all need to realize that when it comes to our, our family, we're not dysfunctional once we found Jesus. We were, but there is no curse that is hanging over us. No, no one's got an automatic sentence of dysfunction in the days that are to come in their family because you're not cursed. The moment you found Jesus, you just got blessed. 
something changed in your family. We have to deal with this because fears in our parenting, in our marriages, in our relationships are tremendously uh, destructive. Because here's what's the truth about life. What you look at, you are always going to steer towards it. If we are looking at our, and say, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like that. What you're fearful about is going to just pull your life in a gravitational pull. And fears have a habit of visiting us. We must decide. You're also going to live, I'm going to live with a lot of negative emotions, with a lot of seeing the end of the world if we're allowing anything about our family to become a fear that drives us in the way that we are living our lives now. Christ has redeemed us. In fact, 1 John 4.18 tells us that there is no fear in love. We've found the God of love. Now His love drives out our fear, rids us of our torment. We don't need to live our lives worried about what kind of parents we're going to be, what kind of marriage we're going to have. I'm telling you, your marriage is not going to end in divorce. You will not be an alcoholic. You will not live your life bound by anger. We are not under a curse. Otherwise, every time we go through some kind of hardship, it's just going to well up within you. And next thing you know, you're weakened in your resolve. Your family identity is Jesus. The lineage over your life is Christ. There is blessing and promise for you. That's what God's got. If you believe it, give him a little bit of praise right now. Amen. He's going to change our family. He is. Not only can we be fearful, but if we're not, not careful, we also begin to compensate, compensate. This is, I kind of hinted in this direction, but what happens when you've got a dysfunctional family is that you have a tendency, we all have a tendency, to then begin to say, well, I am just not going to be like that. I'm not going to use the jandal on my kids. I'm not going to... I'm not going to, you know, just, you know, beat these children. I'm not going to, you know, let them eat whatever they want. I'm not going to. And we've got our list, right, that's seen through the filter of our experiences, that's seen through whatever we've gone through, and we superimpose it over our relationships. And if we're not careful, we spend our parenthood or our marriage years trying, hopefully they're long, by the way, um, Jillian and I will have been married for 20 years this Wednesday. Is that correct? Yeah, that's not bad, is it? I stand corrected. This Wednesday. It's my daughter's birthday on Tuesday, and it's our wedding anniversary on Wednesday. Not bad, eh? 20 years. So you're married for the rest of years. I correct that. What I'm saying is, stay with me. If you're not careful in your marriage relationship and in your parenting, we begin to say, well, this is who I'm not going to be. The problem is when you're living your life focused on who you're not going to be, you're living out of what we call a bitter root judgment. We're attempting to say, I will not do that. I will not do that. I will not do that. I will not be that. I will not be that. I will not be that. Well, let me tell you what happens. You end up doing that. Because what you're, what you're fixated on is what finds eventuality in your life. Now, here's the thing, my friends. We've got to realize that the reason why we have Jesus is so that we have somebody that we can emulate. What we're supposed to do as believers is forget about all of that. Don't worry about that. 
We have to be seekers of Jesus. I'm not trying to compensate for anything. I'm not trying to live my marriage trying to not be like anything. I am just trying to build the kind of life, the kind of faith, the kind of marriage, and the kind of family that Jesus wants me to have because He is my lineage. And I'm now I come to Jesus and I say, what do you want me to be like? And he says, well, if you want to be like I want you to be like, then you're going to have to forgive everybody that's hurt you. Because that's part of what following Jesus means. So the answer to our fears is Jesus. The answer to our compensation is Jesus. But I want you to know that you're not dysfunctional anymore. If you know Jesus and anybody can, then you are now blessed. Somebody say amen. All right, the second type of family you can be is what I like to call the accidental family. Let me just highlight, it's pretty easy to become a family. It's pretty simple biology. But all you gotta do is a couple of things. Out comes a little baby. Even with the best of intentions. They come quicker than some people plan. Loud amen from Ben there. And then suddenly you realize that, look, we're a family. If you're anything like me, the moment you became a family, you're exhausted. I can't remember hardly anything of the next period of time after the kids began to arrive. You're just tired, 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 tired. One day wake up, feel like you got a little bit of energy and the kids at university. I mean, it just, it can happen so fast, can't it? It's just, it's just true. I like to tell all the, all the couples in our church when they're expecting their first child, you're gonna be tired for the rest of your life. I'm not trying to be negative, I'm just trying to say if you wanna have a great life, then deal with that and it'll be good. But you know, if you're unprepared for that, you're probably gonna spend the next period of your time regretting a lot of really good moments that come in the middle of a life of exhaustion. That's basically what it is. And if you're not careful, you can be an accidental family. You know, we we, we can just be moving through this life and realize we live in the same house, we share the same address. You know, it might even be a good family, by the way. I'm not saying this is a crazy family. An accidental family can be a family that's actually quite normal, loving, you know, But what there isn't about an accidental family is any sense that we need to be proactive with this deal, that we need to do something that's gonna maximize this moment, this opportunity, this window. No one sits down in an accidental family and asks some questions. Why, who, why are we here? Who do we wanna be? Where are we going? What are our values? And if we're not careful, we can easily find ourselves in this trap. This would probably be the vast majority of families, accidental, some degree of niceness, God's you know, somewhere in the picture, but there is an underutilizing of the resource that is this family that God has blessed you with. Ephesians chapter five and verse 15 talks to us about our lives and it says that we should not be, we should not, that we should walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. 
Meaning that for you and I, the word days here is the word chronos or chronology. It means literally the sequential time of our lives is evil. It's not going to serve you. The natural drift of life is not going to aid the will of God for me or for us in our lives. It's gonna work against us. So you're gonna realize, wow, anybody willing to put up their hand and say, this year has just flown by, we're in April, where did the first three months of this year go? Put your hand up. And let me tell you something, that's not just you know something you know in 2016, that is always going to be the way, always going to be the way, why? Because the days are evil. The devil wants you and I to live accidentally, drift through lives, drift through our marriage moments, drift through our weeks, never be intentional, never say an encouraging word, never sit down and come up with a vision or a plan, just drift through life, that's what the devil wants. So the Bible tells us that even though the days might be evil, that we are to redeem the time. The word redeem means to rescue from loss. Time means the moments. That we decide we're not going to be accidental. This family that I am part of, this marriage that I am a participant in is not going to be an, an accidental one. It's going to be an intentional one. We're gonna ask ourselves some, some really important questions. Why are we here? What do we wanna do? Who are our family? You know, whenever I'm in a meeting, I always walk into any room, any time I'm in a room, and I ask two questions. If I don't know them in my head, I will always walk into that room and say them out loud. It's just my habit now. But I will always say, why are we here? And who is in charge? Because I found the greatest wasters of your life come when you're in a room and you don't know why you're there or there is any ambiguity about who is in charge of this environment that we're in. And it's, listen, if you're married, it's your lives. It's your family. It's every single one of us have an opportunity to be intentional about this life, about this family, so that we can maximize the opportunity to, to use this moment for the glory of God. So you come from dysfunctional, there's also accidental families. The third type of families that are out there are, and by the way, if you're a teenager listening to this today, make sure you just apply this to your friendship. Don't end up with dysfunctional friendships. You know, sometimes, you know, the person that texts you at the wrong time of the night, just, just unfriend them, get them off your phone, block them. Don't be accidental, don't just realize you've got the wrong, wrong crowd of friends, you know. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just sit down and ask yourself, have I got the right types of friends or the wrong types of friends? Here's the third type of family, and that's what I like to call the working family. The working family. You could, you could you know, probably call this the performance-oriented family. It would be another way to describe them. And, and in this family, again, similar to the accidental family, there can be a lot of love, a lot of appreciation. But what this family is all about is what you do, your achievements. You know, this, this is a massive temptation for people who really are trying to lift their family from the bottom and lift them up. So then it becomes about grades, or this can be not just about the people at the bottom, but people who are already at the top, who wanna stay at the top. 
So then this burden gets placed upon the family that we need to, we need to get good grades, we need to excel in sport, we, we, we're hoping for scholarships, we want, right, we want performance, what's rewarded is your accomplishments, what you've managed to achieve, it's all about doing. In some cultures, this is absolutely enormous. In some families, this is the driving way that this group of people interacts. But when you get close to a working family, when you get close to a performance family, when you meet them, you're like, oh my gosh, my family sucks because everybody around, this, these guys are like, wow, you know, we are just so normal. I am so ordinary next to you. And then you get close to them. And you start to realize that there's a whole lot of cattiness because the moment you reward behavior is the dominant thing, well, then everybody wants to know who's performing the most. Some schools have this culture, by the way. Um, you know, some environments, this is just the dominating thing that, that, that governs what it is. And then you, you find cattiness, you find, you, find, you know, the, a drivenness. There will never be peace in this kind of family. There will always, always, always be a sense of contention that surrounds a performance-oriented family, a working family. Why? Because there is an overreaching beyond reasonable boundaries of the drive to get somebody to perform. I want my kids to do the best that they can. But at the end of the day, our Christian faith requires of us that we make our relationships and our own assessment of ourselves not about what the person does, but about who they are. It doesn't matter how much you perform, how righteous you are, how much money you can give, how many, how many benevolent you know, deeds you've done this week. If you and me, if we don't have Jesus, then heaven is never gonna be our home. And we are not human doings, we are human beings. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. In other words, we have got to shift our emphasis from works, swing it over to grace, switch our appreciation of people away from what they've done and make our appreciation of people about who they are. Man, if I've had to work through anything as a parent, it has been to celebrate my children for their uniqueness, for their brilliance. I'm not trying to change them. I'm not trying to get them to perform better. I am celebrating the gift of God that is in their lives. Listen, this is about your family, your parenting. This is about your marriage. I'm not trying to make you a better spouse. I'm not trying to get you to perform more. I am celebrating you for you. And what we all know to be true is that so when somebody shifts from being a, a, a working relationship and it switches to a being relationship, well, this person is just gonna start doing a whole lot better in life. Is that not true? Amen, amen. Here's the last, uh, the next one. The next one, the next kind of family that you can have is what I call the family family. All right, now this one is also something that I believe is a temptation that we need to be really careful about because 
when you see a family family, this looks like the ultimate family. It is so close to what God has that it is potentially the most dangerous of the lot. I mean, when we get to the first one and we're talking about, you know, you were raised in crazy, everybody's scribbling notes, right? Because if you're raised in crazy, you wanna move on from crazy, right? And along the way, we kind of get to this point, but listen, this is a challenge too. The family family looks like an awesome family. The parents are gonna be at everything, you know, every sporting game, they're there at the sideline. Family dinner is non-negotiable, you know. Um, this is gonna be a home with positive words spoken. This is gonna be a home where, you know, children are really appreciated. This is often gonna be a home where mum and dad look like they are brilliant. Everything is looking sweet. It's like Pleasantville. You know, this is, this is the ideal family, except it's not the family God has for us. Um, the problem with a family family is that you know, so often this is a family that has no sense of mission. No understanding that if you are a Christian, you are not a family family. If you are a Christian, then you have to switch from being a family family to being a Jesus family. A Jesus family is what we all must be. Yeah, we need dinner times. We're gonna talk about that in the series. We need encouragement, absolutely. We need parents that will engage in their children's sporting activities. But what we can never do is elevate the family unit to the central or ultimate place in our family's existence. Because right then, we have made family idolatry. And in our Christian faith, we must make sure that in my marriage, Jesus is number one. In my parenting, Jesus is number one. Listen, as important as the family dinner table is, the family being present in the house of God is of more importance. If you send a signal in your family that being in church is optional, but being at the dinner table is not, well, right then, you're altering the right DNA of what God wants your family to be. And I believe that we make that idolatry with the most monumental of consequences. Most monumental. Because at the end of the day, in fact, guys, can you jump a couple of verses ahead? In Mark chapter nine, Jesus raises a really pertinent question. He said, what would you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is there anything worth more than your own soul? When my daughter Lara was small, you know, um, we, I think we have a great family. But I had to realize that in my family dynamic, it was not just about the fact that we had dining, dinner, you know, we had dinner together, or that I celebrated my kids, or that they got quality time. When my daughter walked up to me and she said to me a question, and I knew that the question was her questioning 
our Christian faith, which is healthy, by the way. Don't shut that down, parents. Embrace that. But as she started to do it, I began to realize, you know what? There is a piece of evangelism I've got ahead of me that I never realized I was going to need to do. And that's the evangelism that as a parent I need to do in the lives of my children. And believe me when I say that's the most important evangelism for me that I am ever going to do. What does it profit me if I preach in the greatest churches on earth or built the greatest church on earth if my kids don't love Jesus? What does it profit you if your dining room table is awesome, if your kids are beautiful, if they love you, but they don't love your God? I reckon the greatest heartache for any parent was to realize we had a family family, but we didn't make it a Jesus family. And listen, this is a temptation. When Jesus was talking about, uh, to a guy about the, the, the kingdom of heaven, the guy said, man, blessed are all those who are gonna get to eat at the banquet of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus responded by telling a parable. He said, you know, the kingdom of heaven is gonna be like you know, uh, uh, invitations being sent out. And when the invitation is sent out, people are gonna come back and they're gonna say, well, you know what? I'd love to come to that banquet, but I have just bought a house, so I can't come. I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and so I can't come. And then in Matthew 13, verse 20, he said another, 14, verse 20, it says, still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. He is highlighting for us a really, really important challenge. He's saying the day your family takes priority over your faith is the day your life is in great jeopardy. Any worldview that places family above God is a worldview that I believe will lead to harm and destruction. One of the things that, you know, Jillian and I have said from the first days of our marriage is that the Camerons do not exist for themselves. We are here to build God's house. Our children are being raised to serve the Lord. We are not just pastors in profession. We are Christians in mission. The reason why this family exists is to be a Jesus family. And it is gonna be found in God's house every Sunday of the year. It's gonna be a family where you learn about Jesus, where we are lifting up our faith at the very center. If you believe that's important, say amen. Amen. So we've got four types of families. Let's close with number five. The fifth type of family is what I like to call the faith family. The faith family. A faith family is the family God wants us to have. A faith family can come from any kind of crazy. A faith family is one you can snap into out of an accidental family right now. It is all about the fact that we are blessed in Christ. We have a great future. This is a family that is blessed, a family that is purposeful, a family where we've already got all the achievement we need through the cross of Christ, and now we're living out the victory and achievement of Jesus, a blessed and favored future. 
This is a Jesus family, and it will be blessed because it's found in God's house. It's a family with a clear identity, Christian, with a clear purpose to glorify God, with a higher calling, heaven and eternity, with an outward orientation that their family is going to bless and include others. And I believe that's the family that God has for every single one of us. I believe that God's got a great family for you. I believe God's got a great family for me. And no matter what we're starting in today, I believe this is of crucial importance. That we start right here, right now, by saying we are going to build a faith family. We're going to be a person of faith, a life of faith. This is because a faith person is a blessed person. You know, if you're a working family, I just forgot to mention this, so let me just say that this right now. You don't need to fear that the next generation is going to be worse than you. If you're a faith family, then every generation is going to go from strength to strength. You don't need, we don't need to be fearful. We don't need to drive our families. Because if you've got faith in Jesus, it's going to be blessed. If you're dysfunctional, if you're raised in all kinds of crazy, then let me tell you, you don't need to be fearful as well because if faith in Jesus is at the center of your everyday, then there is no curse hanging over your life, no, no destruction at the end of your family, no sickness in your body that's gonna dominate every generation. You've got Jesus and your family is gonna be blessed and whole in the name of Jesus Christ. We don't need to be fearful of what is to come. Your family is alive for a purpose. Your life has got a destiny. You're here for great things that are tomorrow. God's gonna work something great in the days that are to come. Come on, if you believe that, can you give the Lord a little bit of praise right now, no matter where you are? Come on, somebody jump to their feet right now. Jump to your feet right now. Whack somebody next to you and say, I believe, I believe. I believe in Jesus. I believe in His Word. I believe in what He's got for me. My life is going to be blessed. My marriage is going to last. My children are going to be amazing. We are going to know good things in the days that are to come. If you believe that, why don't you give the Lord a little shout of praise right now. Come on. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to sing a song. We're going to sing a song in just a moment. We're going to start with the chorus, and then we're going to sing the bridge. But the song is called Good, Good Father. You're a good, good father. That's who you are. And I'm loved by you. That's who I am. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. He is the perfect father. We're building our homes based on a perfect role model who's got all the power you need to change, to heal, to move forward. We're looking at Jesus. When we look at Jesus, we're going to become better husbands, better wives, better parents, better siblings, better children. Every day that we are on this planet, we fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Amen? Amen. These guys are anticipating some good stuff here. They're with me. They're with me. Hey, listen, if you've got some fear in your life about your family, some fear, then I want to pray for that fear right now.
you've come into the service with a sense of apprehension, we're going we're gonna to pray that perfect love drives out their fear. I, I believe that God's got blessing for you. He absolutely does. That is the truth of the Word of God. Come on, close your eyes right now. If you're saying, John, I've got some fear in my life, fear in my life. Well, let's decide right now that we are going to not look at our fears. We're going to look at our Jesus. We're not going to look at our fear. We're going to look at our Jesus. He has got all the love we need and His love drives out fear. In you, Jesus, we see healing for our families. In you, Jesus, we see freedom for our families. In you, Jesus, we see the ultimate role model. We've got all the love we need in you. This anger is going to end with us. We are the first generation of peace, not the next generation of animosity. Something is broken. The curse of, of our families are gone. We're in Jesus, in your mighty name. Everything is new. Every promise is assured in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you believe that, put your hands together and give God some praise right now. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.